give that shit up, you can concentrate on golf. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Great moments are born from great opportunity. You play ball like a girl! Hi everybody and welcome to a Roy Orbison Tattoo Podcast with me Colm and my co-hosts Massey and Paul. This is episode 6 of season 1. If it is your first time listening I would advise to go back to the start and listen from episode 1 as we do refer to previous shows from time to time. This show does contain film spoilers so if you have not yet seen the film I would advise watching it first. It might help you understand a little bit better. And now for today's show I hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's this week's episode, and we are watching Cool Runnings, and I'm here with Matsy and Paul as always. Hey, lads. Hi, Colin. How are you getting on? And we got two special guests. We've got Sean Wayne and Nimroy, the current members of the Jamaican Bobsleigh team. Welcome, lads. Hey. Hey, thanks, guys. Nice selves, yeah. Thanks very much for for taking the time to come on with us. We're we're watching Cool Runnings, and I suppose who better to give a perspective on it than the actual, the current Cool Runnings. So, first of all, you've seen the film, I presume? Yeah. Yeah, I was watching it this morning. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Just to refresh, it would have actually been one of the first movies i actually seen in the cinema. I think it was the second movie i ever seen in the cinema, and I suppose it's always kind of been something that has been with me forever. Like, it's just been a brilliant film. Did you enjoy the film? Yes, yes, I did, yeah. I did enjoy it again. Shanwayne? All good. Yeah, so it's always good watching a cool running. It's always a good watch. Paul and Massey, like you, you've obviously just watched it as well. Enjoyed it? What? Yeah, one of my favourite movies from when I watched it back as a child. That was excellent. Loved watching it again. Yeah, very enjoyable. Is there is there similarities in it too to real life, lads? Um, yeah. yeah, of course there is. Like the way they sort of had to come up with different ways of training. We, we literally had to do that the other day because of uh, quarantine. And just how the guys sort of push through and, and constantly want to do better and stuff. Nothing's really changed. The sport itself hasn't really changed that much. It's still just a bunch of guys at the top of the hill running as fast as they can and trying to get a sled down as, as quickly as they can. So, no, it's, there's, there's still a lot of similarities to take. And, and like, would, would the film have, I suppose, inspired you to, to even consider bobsleigh or was it just the process of athlete selection? Um, so I, I always in, enjoyed the film and I always thought it was a pretty cool thing to do. And then I joined the Royal Air Force in 2011. And then I just happened to see a poster to say, oh, fancy having a go at bobsleigh. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. I'd, I'd love to have a go at that. Um, went to the trials, ended up going to Innsbruck in Austria, um, where the Air Force take us to, to slide for the first time. So Innsbruck in Austria is... Um, like a beginner's track, so it's the, the track that a lot of people go to, to learn to, to slide bobsleighs on. And um fell in love with the sport and, and been doing it ever since. Yeah, um, for me, I started in 2017. I was running at the national trials and the president of the Bobsleigh Federation saw me running. Like he was saying, whoa, that guy, 30 meters fast. <laughs> so he contacted my coach and asked me. First, I wasn't that interested. And then my coach spoke to me about it and stuff like that. Then I said, all right, I'll give it a try. Then I'm hooked. Very good. So you're, you're probably closer in line to what actually happened that you were at the national trials or running. Like, cause I've seen some of your times you can, you can fairly move. <laughs> what, what, what's your run, the, what's your run your hundred in? 
He's just a little quicker than me. I'm fairness. joking. <laughs> it's ten point one two. So, like, and I suppose, like, that's like where, like, our blitzer did say to Darius's father and the thing that the best sprinters will make the best bobslayers. Um, so you're a kind of a, a real life version of that, like, yeah. And Shanwayne Sh- yourself did what? What athletic background had you yourself, Shanwayne? Uh, not really. I, I, I mostly played a lot of rugby and, and, and football at school. I was still always pretty quick, so I guess I just had the genes in me, I, I guess. <laughs> and what position did you play rugby in? I was a winger. Winger, very good. So you were quick on your feet. Yeah. And I'm quite short, so I was always hard to tackle as well. <laughs> like Paul. <laughs> Similarities. <laughs> And Sean Wayne, you talked about that being 2011 um, and you, you were in the RAF at that stage. Was it a case that um, that was for the, we'll say, Team GB that um, we'll say that advert was up for or, or what was that up for? So within Air Force, we have all sort of um, sports that you can do and one of those sports just happened to be bobsleigh. So we have bobsleigh, skeleton and luge. We always tend to go away as a group together every year. So um, people go to the trials every year and then a different team will get selected every year. And then we normally race against the Army and the Navy. And then that's basically how my sort of journey into bobsleigh started. And then in 2017 is when I got the invite to trial for Jamaica. So I flew out to Calgary. And that's when I met Nimroy as well um, in Calgary in 2017. Of the three sports, the skeleton the bobsleigh and the luge which is the craziest of them which is like you have to be totally mad to do so the craziest one is luge <laughs> luge that's the one head first is it uh, no that's the one feet first oh feet first yeah yeah so in, on luge they break things a lot like all, <laughs> all the time <laughs> did, did you try um, it out I haven't tried luge yet because they won't let me you like, wanted to you wanted to try <laughs> it out but the coaches won't let me because like every time we do go, I have to compete like at the end of the week or something like that. So they like, if you break something, then the game over. Um, but I've tried skeleton. Skeleton's all right. You sort of head first and there's not much control in it. It's, it's quite weird. Like to go left, you have to steer right. And it's like, yeah. But in a bobsleigh, like you pull left, you go left, you pull right, you go right. Like, I prefer bobsleighing. Okay, very good. Nimrai, have you tried any of the others, Nimrai? No. <laughs> You're happy where you are. <laughs> Not me. I rem- I remember once um me and Sean were in driving school in Calgary and I said to him, Oh, um coach said that you could try luge today. He was like, What? Really? <laughs> and I was like, No, I'm joking, man. <laughs> it looks crazy, right? What about the very first time you sat in a bobsleigh, what was the feeling you had? The first time I ever went in a bobsleigh, I was actually breaking so I was pushing. And then, you were pushing, okay. Yeah, so I was pushing. So where the audio? It was in a plan in, um, in France, the planet. Um, and I, I was quite nervous because it's, it's one of the things where you've never done it before. You're about to send yourself down some ice with a guy that you don't know doing... Yeah. 130 kilometers an hour all you're wearing is a helmet no seatbelt <laughs> um, but yeah after the first run and I got down <laughs> yeah so after the first run and I got to the bottom I, I literally I fell in love 
with the sport instantly. It's Bob's, I think boxing is one of those sports where you know instantly whether you're going to love it or hate it. You just got a buzz like all of it. Yeah. So I literally just got that instant buzz and I was just like, all right, let's get back to the top and let's go again. Yeah, and I've literally I've stopped smiling since. So, and is it hard to get into the bobsled for when you're pushing the bobsled to actually jump in to get your position? Well, at first, at first, because you're thinking about it, it's 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 a bit difficult for you. But once you once you do it one time, you're you say, oh, it's like hopping onto a truck, hopping onto a van back, or something like that. So it's not hard; it's easy. You wouldn't have had to be asked to come back and come back. I know, Nimra, you said that you weren't too hot on it the first time, but would it have been something that you had to be followed up with? Or you just thought a bit longer about it? No, honestly, I didn't really follow it up, but my coach followed it up. And then once my coach said go, then I have to go. Now, where did you go first, <laughs> Nimra, where did you go for the first try? Did you have to fly up to Calgary for your first goal? Or? Oh, my first, my first goal was... And the fastest track in the world. Really, yeah? In Whistler. And the first time I went in, yeah, first time I went in, a Bob said, it was a Mona Bob, like a one-man Bob. And I was the driver. <laughs> I rocked up today, had a day off, then the next day, I'm in the front of the sled going down. So they just like put, and you just learn, you just learned by doing you, yeah, you have to learn straight away. Very good. Straight away. It's the only. It's the only way to learn bobsledding. Like there isn't like simulators for bobsleds. So the only way to learn is to just to do it. Push you off. That's it. It's the only way to learn it. Very good. How did they like? As we seen in in the film in Cool Runnings, how they like Junior got his first middleman. I think Yule was second middleman. Brakeman was Sanka, and the driver was Doris. How did they? Is there a skill set? Per, like, is there something that each of you have differently that this is why you're a driver, this is why you're a brake man? Like, what, what are your own roles and how would you, what would you say the skill, the difference is from one job to the other? So why, what makes you a driver versus a brake? Uh, so a lot of the times, so it just used to be like whoever likes it. it that's how it used to be. So some, I know some people who've been in the front seat of a bobsleigh and they've gone, nah, not for me rather than sit in the back and not see what's going on. But for me, I got in the front of Bob saying, go, this is where I want to be. As for Nim, like Nimroy, he has driven. He doesn't mind it, but he loves being on the back and pushing. So it, sometimes it can come down to personal preference. But in terms of the positioning where people are, um, obviously as a driver, I'm always going to be at the front. And then the second guy tends to be not your most powerful, but just one behind the most powerful guy. Uh, number three tends to be your most powerful guy. So he's out there for longer, putting more force down. And then your number four guy tends to be the guy with the, the most leg speed because he's the last person in. So he needs to be able to turn over and kill the, the fastest leg speed. But also, depending on their height, also depending on where they are as well. So behind me, the aerodynamics will always be the tallest guy. Tallest and then it's the shortest. So he'll have like a sort of like a, a, a slant for aerodynamics. So... That cool. plays a factor as well. Very good. So, Shan, what you're telling us is your Doris and Nimroy is Sanka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but there's um, similarities there with, with rugby as well, I suppose, because we'll say your, your physical attributes a lot of the time dictate what position you play in. And similarly, similarly in a lot of sports that there is... 
a link there based on the physical attributes where you end up playing. So, so Nimroy, when you're in the back, when you're, you're number three or four in the sled and you get in, like what job, what role do you have to play in the sled after that? Yes, so um, for, for the two-man, my role is to just push the sled as fast as possible, get in, be ancient, keep relaxed as possible. Also, for me, I tend to learn all the curves as well as the driver, so I know exactly what Sean is doing, even though my head is down I'm not, and I am not looking. So I know exactly what he's doing. For, for instance, if he makes a mistake, I can tell him that, oh, um, on the exit of curve 11, I felt the sled sl- slid off the back, the back end of the sled, stuff like that. And then my next job is to break after we pass the finishing line. So is that is that the only time you break so after the finishing line? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you get fined if you uh, break anywhere else on the track. Oh really? really? Yeah, because what happens is the brakes will create grooves, and then people's runners can get stuck in it, and then they can't steer, and then it'll cause okay. accidents. So yeah, but elaborating on what Nimroy said about him knowing what I'm doing in okay, so when Nimroy sort of knows what's going on in the back of the sled. Because my head is so far ahead in the corners, like by the time I've gone through one corner, my brain's already in two corners down the road. And then a lot of times I'll forget even what's happened because it's so far ahead of me. So when Nimrod knows what's going on and we have a debrief at the end, he can say, look, you were high there, you slid there, you tapped there. And then I, then I can look back and go, actually, yeah, I did tap there. That. But I, when I'm sliding, I don't have time to, to think about that, what's behind me because I need to be thinking in front of me all the time. So. It's quite good when he knows what's going on. So Nimroy is always giving out to you and telling you what you did wrong, so is that it? Yeah, basically. It's always how it goes, so you can do that. <laughs> Very good. Just looking at that and, and the relationship you have there with regard to that and that kind of peer coaching that's going on, would you value the peer coaching in your, in your sport more valuable because it's so hands-on and it's so in the moment? Would you value that more than the, the coaching you get from your actual coach i would i'd probably say yes because in bob's lane you're always so close together all the time like we, you need to be in sync like even when we start at the, at the beginning when we start we have to be synchronized otherwise we won't get this, this faster start and the sled won't accelerate as quickly so the more sort of in sync and and together we are as a pair and, and as, a, as, as a four when we do four men the better more efficient everything is so I would probably say yes, like your coaches will tell you certain things and but it's just them giving you advice and say this is what I think and this is what we think. But we're actually doing it together. So when we do work together and, and everything gels quite well together, we were in sync, then a lot of the times um, we get better results. Like Nimroy will tell you, from we, we start on a run to the end, we'll both get out of the sled and go, that was a good run. Or when as soon as we hit the sled and the sled goes flying down down the track at the start, we know that we hit it together because how effortless effortless the sled went from zero to like 30, 30 kilometers an hour. No, and that's that's really interesting because I think in in a lot of sports there isn't enough peer to peer coaching, and it is very much directed down from that coach manager, and it's 
very much a a downward a downward process of an of instruction. And I think that that sideways instruction that that occurs, be it on on the track with you or on the pitch, is really important. Like yeah, like even in our normal day to day training, like like I said, I didn't predominantly come from sprinting, but Nimro is. So whenever we train together. And we're doing, say, for example, like a sprint session, Nimro will say, I need to do this or try positioning my body in this way. Because he he comes from the sprinting background. And he, and if you ask him, I've come a long way in my sprinting just from the guys giving me tips and, and hints and, and, and what to do. Nimrod's laughing there now, Shane Wayne. I'm not sure if you're after coming <laughs> as far as you think you've come. No, man. Yo, Sean. Oh. A lot, man. Like, I I wouldn't say a far away. You come more than a far away. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you're when when you're in your teams, do you, do you ever criticize each other? Or what way do you take your feedback? So if Nimroy gives Shan Wayne feedback, say so you were low in or high in, and you said you didn't think you were. Like, do you have to be like close as a pair, as in to trust each other? You know, like, we have never, like, never, like, criticized each other. Never. We have, we have never had, like, um, disagreement or anything. We just come to one agreement and say, okay, we're going to work with that. And that's what we do. So you, you have to create such a bond between the two yeah. of you as a friend to trust each other. I yeah, that's it. Myself and Nimrois, we know what our objective is, and our objective is to make Beijing 2022. So, and we know as a pair that in order to make Beijing, we have to criticize each other, we have to say when things aren't right, and, and it's the only way to progress and then to become better. So, for me and Nimroy personally, especially when we need to do this, I say, I don't say anything, I don't. I don't argue. I say, okay, this is this is what you, your observation is. Let's work on it. And it's the same when I say to him, I think you could take a few more strides in that position, or don't run so far, or stuff like that. And he he doesn't argue. Say, all right, cool, let's try it, sort of thing. You know what I mean? So um, I think yeah, it's, it's it's definitely definitely one of them things where we 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 work together quite well. Biggest thing between us is. Trust. We we trust. We trust each other very much, and uh, so let's move forward with trust and only that. Well, you have to say that name right because you don't want to upset Shane Wayne going around the corners. If <laughs> 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 you don't trust him, <laughs> no. I presume. I presume before you started, you started in the bobstay. You weren't shown uh, a video like all the lads in the film uh, with all the crashes and all that stuff. No. No, when 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 I was starting, I didn't watch any videos. I didn't watch any videos at all. I, I knew about Bobsey, but when Irv had all the potential potential bobslayers in the in the room, and he showed him the video of all the crashes, it it cleared out fairly quickly. But uh, at least you weren't you weren't subjected to that. And you know that in my first race on the fastest track in the world, I crashed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I also pushed the second fastest time in my first really? race. Yeah, on your first race you pushed the second fastest time. Yeah, sprinters and, and, and bobslayers. 
<laughs> That's brilliant. It is cool. But it wasn't. It wasn't beginner's luck, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and and just like as we seen in the film as well, when big things for Irv at the start was when they actually got to five nine when they were practicing on the the rickety go kart going down the hill. Like, what would have been the first time that you would have felt? Yeah, this is this is a milestone in my development as a as a bobsleigh. Would it been the start, the, the the second fastest start? Well, yeah, the, that's when I started. Actually, even when I was there driving for like the first two days, but actually in the race when I pushed the second fastest time, that's when I realized I can really do this, and that's when I I sit down by myself and say, all right, I'm gonna start focusing on bobsleigh because. I think I can become one of the best brakemen in the world. Very good. And you thanked your coach, obviously, as well, yeah? Yes, coach. Yeah, yeah, right. like, from, from the first time I pushed, they were like, wow, this guy is smooth. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, like, after after the crash and we went up back to the top, everyone was like, no, oh, where did Jamaica get this guy from? This guy's a beast. <laughs> yeah. Because like the first like the first week, no one talked to me. No one except probably the Brazilians would say hi or how are you? But differently from that, no one. Until I pushed the second fastest time. So that'd be similar to the film with the yeah, Swiss, similar to the film. Yeah, like we would have we would have noted that like he would have been like the first time Jamaica came to the hill at the Olympics, and now I know that the film maybe exaggerated a bit, but everybody stopped and turned and looked. And you're you're saying it was kind of similar. You're kind of an outsider. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, and, we, and like it, it would happen with a lot of sports. We were saying that like that, like even just in Ireland, now with hurling, half the country would play it at a very high level, and the other half wouldn't. And I'm not saying there's roadblocks in the way of them getting there, but we we would say that in sport, a lot of sports, they're very. I suppose closed shop in the, in what they what they traditionally had. Do you feel that um, cool runnings and the and, and the cool runnings film has any negative connotations for you when you're looking to go and compete for Jamaica? Like, is there any bit of a of a hangover there against the film? No, I don't, I don't think there is. I think everybody loves everybody loves the film. The thing is, as soon as you say bobsleigh anywhere in the world. People say Jamaica Bobsleigh. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of the most recognizable teams in the world. Jamaica Bobsleigh, two runnings. Um, so I said, I'll, I'll do, give you an example. Like, we raced in uh, Park City, Utah. And as soon as they put Jamaica's sled down on the ice, you'll see people run over to have a look. Because Jamaica is so known for fast starts that everybody wants to see what time Jamaica started. Really, and up until this day, it still happens. Like soon as our soon as our sled goes on the block, people running over and then looking at the clock to see what time we what time we, we push. And what was your own Shanway? What was your own um, moment that you knew this is something that you can really, I suppose, excel at? I, I suppose it was when. So I did a lot of racing before joining up with the Jamaican team. So I was racing obviously for the military um, every year. So I started doing better and better and uh, I, I think I finished in one of my races I finished 700 of a second behind uh, John Jackson who is bronze medalist for GB um, from Sochi 
So he obviously he was Navy and he was so I was racing against him and I finished seven hundredth of a second over four runs behind him. And that sort of that that for me was when I went, actually, you know what, I could actually be really competitive. Really? Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. That you know, you, you kind of had the euphoric moment of this is this is something that we can we can get to. How would did you make a bobstay team? Then let's say like in, you know, in all all other sports in the world, there'd be massive financial differences like that. Let's say British cycling now the last last ten years with Sky has had millions upon millions put into it against other countries. Would you be funded as well as like? Are you short of anything in your preparations, or would you be as well funded as others? Nah. Um. We're not, so we're not government funded. So all of our funding basically comes from sponsorship. So we're constantly, constantly looking for sponsors. Um, even now, we're constantly looking for sponsors. We currently, we're currently in need of uh, a four-man sled because we don't own a four-man sled. So um, we actually raced four-man last season, um, which we were loaned the sled from USA. And we actually medaled in that sled as well. We, we, we finished sixth in the race and medaled in that sled. So you can imagine if we had our own equipment and we're used to that equipment, the things that we could achieve we, we could be a lot more. But unfortunately for us, not being government funded and not having a massive pot of money to sort of help us out, we're always having to, to make do with basically what we got. So you have the talent. It's just that you don't have the money to provide compared to other countries who might be at the top there. What what yeah, countries basically. what countries would be the best funded for for bobsleigh and for those winter let's say the skeleton and bobsleigh lose Germany, Germany yeah Germany so Germany has like a like a government funded program that makes their sporting equipment so they make their own bobsleighs and whilst every other country is sort of like having to buy bobsleighs off different manufacturers and stuff and we have basically one competitive two man sled. And that's the sled that was bought at the Olympics for the girls that went to Pyeongchang by uh, Red Stripe after like the whole thing happened. Um, Red Stripe bought that sled for the for the girls, and that's the sled I currently drive at, uh, at the moment. But that sled's in the UK, but and I compete in North America, so at the minute it's no good because it's sat in in the UK. So our most competitive sled isn't even in the location where we compete. Really, you're you're yeah. just at a massive disadvantage. And how much, how much does it cost to sled? Uh, a two-man sled, you're probably looking at about 35,000 euros to 40,000 euros. A four-man sled, anything from 80 to 100,000 euros. <sighs> yeah, it's a very expensive sport. Um, it's, 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 bobsledding is nicknamed Formula One on Ice. That's how expensive bobsledding is. I think there's, there's awful similarities with the film there in, in terms of your story. Unfortunately, in sport, I think your story is a story that happens all the time. Like even if you just focus on a gate, like so Gaelic games is what we're, we're involved in, in coaching in. And a lot of counties either have a focus on hurling or they have a focus on football. And it's one, one of the sports is pushed up towards the top and gets all the funding. And the other is, is down towards the bottom. And there's very few counties where, where there's equal support to both. But I feel like that there is opportunities there within clubs and counties and nations with their with their funding policy to get a little bit closer to equity in terms of how everyone is going on. Like I don't think full equality and, and equity exists in sport, but giving people an opportunity to 
do a little bit better is is important. Like ten thousand euro or twenty thousand euro in support for you could lead to we'll say a six or seven percent improvement in, in your setup or your performance. Whereas that same amount of money might lead to a 0.01% improvement in Jamaican sprint. You know that kind of way? So just a little yeah. bit of, of, of a change in distribution of funds can can make large gains in, in other areas, you know? Yeah, no, no definitely. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I don't think that the way teams are funded sometimes help, especially with the smaller nations. For example, like Jamaica, Brazil, New Zealand, um, Australia, we're always constantly struggling for funding and, and, and trying to get ourselves on ice. But all we want to do is compete. Like, that's all we want to do. But then you get all the, the big teams at the top who they just want to compete, but then they have all these funds and, and equipment and brand new equipment, but not helping anybody else below them. And everybody just all we want to do is compete and enjoy the sport of bobsleigh, just like everybody else. So, 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 lads, with that fact that you don't have the financial support, where are you making your your gains on them people who are heavily funded? Don't don't give away the trade secret. Don't give away the secret. <laughs> nah, it's literally just about pure performance, like pure willpower and determination to do well. Me and Nimroy, we've sat. And we've talked, and we know we have to work twice as hard to push twice as fast as everybody else. Like, even for me, like, for example, um, I'm only currently I'm only 85 kilos. Realistically, I should be in the 100 kilo mark. So, we like me and Nimroy, we're always pushing a heavier sled than everybody else because I'm down on weight, and it's not because I'm being lazy. Is because I'm only five foot six. So for me to be a hundred kilos, I wouldn't be able to walk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So whatever weight is, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so for whatever weight that's deficient, we have to put it in the sled. But even though we're pushing a heavy sled, nine times out of ten, me and Nimrod will push faster than the people that are pushing a lighter sled, just because we know that we have to. So you have to get the most out of what you have, basically. And just on that, the sled is the, your body weight and a sled has to add up to a certain weight, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, two man sled is 390 kilos maximum. And that's where Earth Blitzer was cheating back in the 1972. Yeah. The weight has to be evenly distributed throughout, does it? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but they tend to be like a, a 60 40 um, split sealer. You can have just to keep the balance of the sled, because otherwise the front will bite too much and then the back starts sliding. So we tend to try and do at least like a 60-40. Now tell us about, um, like we've seen in the film there, that the, when the lads, when they actually got their gear, you know, the the, the black, um, I don't know, what do you call them? What do you, are they? Lycras. What are they? Lycras. Lycras, yeah. So when they got their stuff, um, like Paul has a theory on, on, Adi, on the Adidas gear. Class. Like what kind of stuff, would you be well equipped with that kind of stuff? Uh, no, nah, so we have obviously lycras and stuff out there who wear in training suits. So, luckily for us, um, Jamaica sort of sports wise is sponsored by Puma. So, we tend to get a lot of our kit from Puma. But 
being bobsleighing and it's not the obviously most popular sport, obviously athletics is. So we tend to get like the tail end of like all the quit all the kit. So we'll end up getting like all the extra extra larges that nobody wants and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's still better than not having <laughs> it's still okay. better than not having any decent any any decent yeah. kit. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, re, I was really impressed with the gear in the film. Um, I'd actually just really like Adidas gear. And I suppose we were talking last week as well in the fighter and Dickie Eklund had a class Adidas jumper in that. <laughs> well, kind of it tracks out top. Um, but and like you, you talked about getting the gear there and getting it and it's better than getting nothing. Like a, there's a good coach in Gaelic Games called Keith Ricken and he talked about the, the three Js of getting gear grub and games and if you're uh, grub i suppose is food if you're getting gear a bit of food and you're getting the opportunity to compete you're happy very much (laughs) very very much very very much because like at the moment me and sean we are very very motivated because we missed the last olympic by one slot Oh, and and now we are using that disappointment as our motivation. So every time one of us slipping up or anything, we we'll, we we'll remember that one slot we missed the twenty eighteen Olympic by. It's hard. That's hard to take. But at least you still have the option. And um, your current Jamaican coach, where is he from? Oh, so Jamaica is is a former member of the team. Wayne Wayne Thomas. Very yeah, good. he was so, a great man. So, so would he have would he have worked under um her blitzer in the past? Or was a fictional character? <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, but you know, but the equivalent, the equivalent of Irv and the first coach that you had, the first Jamaican bobsled coach. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And also, our driving coach is the original driver of the Cool Runnings. Oh, good, oh really? cool. Very good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's so, a good linkage there. Yeah, so we still we still see him on a regular basis. Um his brother Chris Stokes, who was at the nineteen games as well, he's now the president of the federation. No, I was just saying the original cool Bobsay team, they are still involved and still active in the sports. That's brilliant. So it's it's a small community, so the whole Bobsleigh community, like you you'd all know each other from the past and all that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's quite funny because like when we got on season, and even uh, Dudley, like when he walked doing like track walks and stuff, and you'll still see um, other coaches that were sliding when he was sliding from from way back when. So that it's bobsleigh is a very very small community. There's a very small group of people that actually bobsleigh. Like it's not a, a very renowned sport that everybody watches and everybody does. So it, it's quite a close community teams tend to try and help each other as much as they can but there's only so much you can help when you need help yourself so and isn't it true about chris though i know i i think when i was reading up about it chris wasn't actually on the bobsleigh team when they went to the 88 olympics is that true he was just there and they needed he, they went they had a yeah. two-man team and they decided to enter four men is that correct yeah yeah he was there just to watch Support his brother. <laughs> Just to support his brother, and then he ended up uh, competing at the Olympics. An Olympian, an Olympian by being in the right place at the right time. Very good. Like we've seen in the film as well. Remember, remember the first after the first run, Irv was they, cho- they choked. 
would, would your coach, how would your coach react if you did, let's say, a bad run? Like you said well ago that you know, both of you know when you, when you had a bad run. Um, you can acknowledge it straight away. You both get out and you go, that wasn't good. Like, would your coach be on your case about it? Or what kind of feedback would you get in that regard? So there wouldn't be on your case about it because they still need you to focus for the next run. Like, we'll, we'll end up having debriefs and stuff, but they tend to try to keep all that sort of stuff towards after you finish sliding. Um, so a typical, like, training day for us, we'll end up doing, like, four runs for a, in, a, in a day. And if I normally have an issue within, like, a curve, I can say, I'm tell, I've got an issue here. Can I sort this out? But there, we won't go into too much detail because you still need to focus. You don't want to be focusing on an issue. Like, you still need to, to try and rectify it, but without too much disruption to your mental preparation. So you only want a small bit of information that is going to affect your next... Yeah, yeah. You don't want to give us too much because then... As soon as you get too much, then you start thinking, then your brain behind the corners and then you, the runs become even worse and stuff like that. So Yeah, but I, I, I don't know was it in the film, um, like how true it was, but I know that like Irv, when they got to the top, I think he just gave them like two or three simple instructions each time. That's it. Yeah. Um, not, yeah, you know, it was, that's it. It was high in, low out, and that was basically, you know. If you, yeah. Yeah, the, the the actual saying was, you said, hand soft, head clear, high in, low out. How would yeah, you consider it. that? Uh, like, you would you consider that good advice, sir? Yeah, it's, like I said, things hasn't really changed since since back then. It's literally still, still soft hands. The higher you are in the corner at the beginning, which means you get rid of all the pressure in the sled, which means you're less likely to roll off the end. Depending yeah. on the corner, because there's there are different types of corners. There's like single pressure, double pressures, and three pressure corners. So depending on how you go in the corners, it depends on how high you need to be at the beginning. But normal rule of thumb is the higher you are on entry, which means you relieve a lot of the pressure, which means you could you have less pressure towards the end of the corner, which means you're less likely to roll out. Like, you know, like talking to you is we'll say the similarities to what what you are actually doing and the film are are mad and like I know following you following you on Twitter the story in Peterborough there two weeks ago where you're pushing the car around like is there and like I suppose it do you need to have when you can't get to the track and I know it's I suppose at the moment it's because of COVID nineteen but do you need to have novel training practices to to replicate it? and I know Nimroy you said I there, there's nothing like you can't really practice without being on the track. Do you need novel practices when you can't get to the track? For me, just in like for driving, um, I still have to do like my visualizations and stuff like that. So I'm always mentally going through the tracks in my head, going through the corners, what I need to do in what corner and just sort of like trying to make it like self-conscious. So like when I'm driving, I'm not even thinking, I'm just literally seeing and my hands are moving sort of thing. Like I don't have time to think but that's sort of what I have to do. As for Nimroy, he, he just sort of does a lot of sprinting and, and that sort of stuff and working on technique and working on his explosive power. But I'll let him sort of elaborate on that. Yes, so for me, like, it, it's, it's more about explosiveness, how fast I can move from point A to point B, pushing a 200-kilo sled things like that so for me it's just my part is just pushing that's 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 the part i'm passionate about 
So when you were training to be a sprinter compared to your training as someone who's pushing, is there much of a difference or is it much of a help, the training that you did in the past to what you do now? Yeah, I think the past helped because um, I know exactly what I am doing now. With Bob said training, it's, it's, it's a lot of sprinting, sprinting work. So the work is similar, only like when it comes to like technical stuff. Like, oh, you set up on the sled, oh, you push, it's different from, oh, you sprint. So, those technical stuff are different, but during a normal training session, probably I would say exactly like um, check and feel. Yeah, and in Bob's say, you, you train shorter distance than in check and feel. So, in Bob's say, we will train probably the most distance we'll run is a 60 meter sprint. And in track and field, you know, you go up to a 300 meter, 320, and stuff like that. Shorter is better. <laughs> Sean, Sean agrees with that. <laughs> Very good. Um, I suppose, like, the, one of the last things we would have seen in the film that, uh, that I would have taken note of would be the after the first run, and they, they had, like, Irv gave out to him, he read them the, the riot act, and the next day, they, they had a quick chat themselves about identity and stuff like that. How do you how do you bring the Jamaican identity like because like every every country has their own identity and culture and stuff like that. But how do you bring that into the into the bobsleigh or do you bring it into the bobsleigh? Like is it something that you that you do or are you conscious of it even or is it just uh, not too cold for all that stuff? We'll just uh, we'll just push no, <laughs> yeah. definitely that that is something what I do because like in in everything if you're not smiling it doesn't make sense. If you're not happy about it, it doesn't make sense. So for me, I'm always dancing. I'm always bringing the culture, always playing Jamaican music. People will just come out the track just to watch me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd advise all our listeners to have a look at your TikTok anyway and, <laughs> and get an idea of some of, the, some of the cultural things you'd be at. You entertain me anyway, name Roy. <laughs> And Shan, Shan, you've been you've you've been in the UK for for a good bit, Shan. Like, how would you keep touch to that? Like, because uh, Dwayne Nimmer is talking is like he's fun and you're not. And I don't know is that a Whoa, that's a serious accusation. No, like, I'm 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 normally like a pretty chilled out guy anyway. Like, I'm fully like almost horizontal most of the time. Nah, but in terms of like bringing the culture and stuff, the team is known as like the party team on on circuit. So for us, like we'll we'll have like big um, get-togethers at Jamaican house, and we'll have like a Jamaican night, and we'll cook everybody Jamaican food and stuff like that. And so we sort of started that sort of trend um, about two seasons ago, where we invited everybody and, and cooked food, and we played music and danced around, and everybody loved it. And then now, every time we go on season, there's like a Jamaican night, there's a Brazilian night, there's an Australian night, and stuff like that. So we've started like a little trend now, where every season, every every nation will sort of host something and then everybody then tends to learn something from everybody else's culture so it's, it's quite good Sean good. have you ever had a fight with the Swiss national team on one of no. these nights not yet but there's still time <laughs> not yet <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not going to want to do that <laughs> no, <don't> <laughs> he, may, he may be small but he is fierce yeah <laughs> Uh, do you reckon your personalities would have any 
role in the position you hold in the sled? Like you being the driver, you have to have a clear, cool head all the time. I, I think it does. Like I'm a very like organized person. Like I like everything to be in its place. I'm like a little bit borderline OCD as well. So like, like even like the sled, the way the sled set up, I like things done a certain way. And again, why me and Nimroy works really well is he will he will take note of what I like to do and then he will replicate it. So I will be on a track walk and I'll go and walk the track and visualize all that sort of stuff. And I'll come back and my sled will be prepped exactly how I want the sled to be prepped. And that's one less thing I, then I have to think about. So um, no, I think, I think the way I am works perfectly for being a driver. Um, and Nimroy, the way he is, he's really hyped and really, always ready to go and full of energy. Sets him perfectly for, for being a brakeman because you need somebody that's very energetic and, and bubbly and ready to go all the time. So no, I think our two personalities work really well together. Yeah, very interesting. I, 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 I never said no, never, never <laughs> say no. I'm always ready to go. Never. No, I just uh, the first time I, as I'm coming from the Caribbean, when you saw snow or the cold how did you react we see how the film that we just turned around straight away how'd that go for you Nimrod? i remember when at the airport exactly in the film, <laughs> like the film. <laughs> because the wayne thomas was came um he came to pick me up so first i had to wait probably about 15 minutes for him so when the when I walked through the door, I'm gonna have to turn back like, <laughs> like <"Woo!" laughs> nah, I didn't go outside. I, I, I wait, I wait inside the airport you're, until you're right. <laughs> you're right, it wouldn't be for me. But, but honestly, Calgary is absolutely freezing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's diff. I remember getting off the plane and walking outside, and it literally. The first breath you take, it it literally takes your breath away. That's how cold it is. I think the first time I went to Calgary it was like minus fourteen. Mm. And like, you, you like you'd be used to cold nights in the UK as well, but nothing to that extreme. It's, it's still, it still doesn't compare. <laughs> it's just different, yeah. Yeah, oh, Calgary is different, man. Even I remember, man, Sean, we're at the driving school, right, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, we're going up the hill, Sean. As is, it was a Gatorade. Yeah, I had a bottle of Gatorade in my hand. And we walked from the bottom of the track to the top of the track. And by the time I got to the top of the track, it was frozen in my hand. Really? Yeah. Wow, that wouldn't be for me now, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Question for you, lads. Was there anything that Air of Blitz are doing in the film that you're really impressed with as a coach? I think the thing is, once the guys got him to believe in them, he then believed in them even more than I think they believed in themselves. Yeah. I think that was quite good. Like, he just had so much belief in the guys and was so proud of what they achieved that you couldn't ask for anything else from a coach, really. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's correct. And to achieve so many things in three months, that, that is really, really good. Coming from a tropical island, going into um, weather like that and doing what they did, that was good. Is there anything anything you did that you think you did poorly? Other than cheating in 72. (laughs) (laughs) And spending all his money on uh, horse racing. (laughs) 
No, I I just think he he just went above and beyond to get the guys what they needed to to get to where they wanted to be. Sourcing the sled, getting them like you said the gear, getting them the gear. Yeah, and he did like there was a clear belief in him that it, like once I think once they got to five nine down the hill, he started really believing in their in their ability and I suppose I suppose in his own mindset as well you know something that he'd said for years about sprinters making the best bobsters and now he was actually seeing it and he was probably willing to follow through and really reinforce his own thoughts on it paul massey anything else to add on that before we go just, to just the... going yeah just going to ask you there as, as the two of you guys is top class athlete coming from another top class athlete and massey, top class athlete. what do you see what do you want in a coach what is it someone who really believes in you uh what do you what you want in a coach so I currently, like, my sort of strength and conditioning coach at the moment, I think we work really well together because she sort of knows me. She knows how I work. She knows, like, you want a coach that knows you sort of inside out. Like, if I'm having a bad day, she'll say, don't lift today, do this. You know what I mean? She knows when I'm getting to that point where I'm tired or, or I, she, she knows when I've hit my, my peak and stuff like that. So... For me, like a coach that sort of knows you inside out is, is is a very good thing. Like you have coaches, but anybody can be a coach. But for somebody that knows you inside out and knows just how you work and how to get the best out of you, I think you, that's sort of what what you need, really. Yeah, for me, um, I like a coach that is strict, very strict, and like for me, I tend to like the art of training and stuff like that, like. I would prefer like, for me, I would prefer like even one rest day for the week. Like, like go hard for four days and then rest one day. Like strict coaches. You need to, you, you need to be the, you need strict coaching him, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not really. Not really. The, the thing is like, because <laughs> I'm coming from, <laughs> um, I, because because I'm no, coming otherwise, from otherwise you sleep <laughs> <laughs> because I'm coming from track and field and I'm used to like training training art every day training art training art so it, it's 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 just preference and what I've been used to for years right will we do will we do the scoring do some scoring, yeah. Right. What would you give Irv out of five? I'd say four. Nimrai? Um, I would say probably four and a half because, like, because we are in Bob said and we know exactly what the what um coaches do and things that they do behind the scene. So for the behind the scenes stuff that not showing in the film, you get the half. Okay. Very good. <laughs> um, as a somebody who knows nothing about Bobsleigh, I from the film really enjoyed the film, thought he was a good coach. I give him a three and a half. The reason I take points off him was when he showed the video of all the crashes at the start, <laughs> just turned me off ever trying to go into a bobsleigh. So that would be the reason I'd Take marks off him. Okay. Uh, Paul. I'm going to give him a four. And the reason I'm going to give him a four is he gets he gets one point anyway because of the Adidas scare. 
<laughs> but he also gets gear as well for I suppose harnessing off the their the identity of Jamaica and making sure that that was allowed to be expressed in the film and the 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 athletes, you know. I'm going to give him a four because I thought I thought he was just the exact person they needed at that time. I thought he was able to, like Sean was saying about trying to find out their identities themselves and what drove them as personalities, and well, also just embracing embracing the whole thing. Nimoy, anything else? Do you want to add anything else? When are you when are you expecting to race again? For uh, Bobsley. Yeah. Our track interview. Bob Bobsley. Don't mind that track. <laughs> <laughs> so our season starting. November, so hopefully November we will be racing again. And how many, in, uh, how many races will you have in the in the season then? So our first first race we're going to race is in um, Whistler, and the fastest track in the world. So we're okay. going back there. Looking forward yeah. to it. So. Um, yeah, which... I have some un- I have some unfinished business there. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good. And which which sport do you prefer? Nimroy. Bob Slayer track and field. <sighs> Tough it's question. A difficult one. But well, with track and field, the fans like the fans make you once you go there and you hear so many people cheering the name and stuff like that. And with Bobsley, the the anxiety and the agility that you get when you go at the starting line knowing that you're going down a hill <laughs> fast <laughs> as you can fast as you can so i would say probably track and field because i've done it um probably 10 years or out of my life or even more i think more and then i'm in bobsay for those three years so track and field for me We've got three, three new fans, and if anyone wants to sponsor the Jamaican Bobsleigh team, get in touch with Nimrai. <laughs> Thank you. Never, you. you never know, there might be someone out there willing to give you lots of money. Thank you, Nimrai. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll stay be, in touch. Thank we'll be you. Following you. We'll be following you going forward. So, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks to Nimrai, Shen Wayne, Paul, and Massey for joining us today. Please leave a review on your favorite platform, and if you enjoyed it, tell a friend. You may also want to follow us on Twitter at Roy Orbison Tattoo. We appreciate any likes, retweets, and comments. We are also on Instagram. Next week, we will be watching Coach Carter, and we'll have the show available first thing Tuesday morning, as always. Thanks, everybody.